We've had such a great opportunity in this last three weeks to really be going through, um, I think, just some awesome, awesome truths in God's Word. Um, many times, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, I, I looked at the Old Testament a lot of times as like old, <laughs> if that makes any sense, not old bad, but just, oh, I don't know if I should even go there, because why go there when I, mean, I can go to the... New Testament. It's new, you know. And I, I hate the, 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 the words that we use for that as if one is old and this one's new. Because really it's all the Word of God. And, and Jesus, um, all he knew was the Old Testament. That was the Scriptures when he called them. When the apostles were talking of the Scriptures, they talked of the Old Testament. And so very much so we've been looking at the book of Leviticus, which is one of those books that I definitely was even more afraid of than just the average book in the Old Testament. And um, the crazy thing is if, if we really look at it as God has intended for the people to see when he wrote it to them and when he was leading them through them, the Israelites, he was really showing them his heart. He was showing them the, the Messiah to come. He was showing them what he was all about and what he was wanting to do with them. And sometimes we forget that. Because it's so far removed from our culture. It's so far removed from how we think today. And yet very much so the principles and the relevancy is the same. Then and now. And we just need to look at it it, with those fresh eyes of seeing how they saw it and how we see it. So I've been super excited about this because it's not that scary when we look at it in, in, in the way that they saw it. So we've had the opportunity to look at the feasts that they've been, they, they've been dealing with, the offerings, and um, just kind of what, what the take-home truths are for each of those feasts or those offerings. And we've looked at the burnt offering, the fellowship or grain offering, and today we're going to look at the shalom offering or the peace offering. And so it's just some great stuff, and so I just I want to challenge you to be reading ahead, if you can, uh, Leviticus chapter 4 next week, and, um, and looking at that, and just asking the Lord, Lord, what is it in my life that you have for me today through these scriptures that were for those people back then but are still with me today, that are for me today. And so I just want to challenge you to that. And um, as we've been looking, we, we, we've seen, like last week, we saw God had a proposal and a payment so that we might live out our purpose as we hold nothing back. And then, um, actually that was the first week. And then the second week, we looked at our take-home truth was holding nothing back means we surrender our life to Jesus, which shows as we honor and serve others as Jesus did for us. See, and through the grain offering, we saw this extension of loving God as we learn to truly love others and serve as Jesus did, did for us. Um, see, and this is, this is the big part, because what we have in the book of Leviticus, we have all these areas where God calls his people to come forth and just be set apart and different in, the, in those sacrifices that they were to make. And again, they weren't stupid. They didn't look at this like, oh, this is the sacrifice that does it. Like if I just, like this animal, or, or these pancakes that I'm going to make. Because <laughs> sometimes there's, you know, they're making pancakes and different things. And, and um, you know, they, they didn't look at that as if, oh, this is what saves me. You know, Billy the goat. He saved me. No, no, it was just a representation, a symbol of, it's the God in heaven, my heavenly Father, that saves me. And that loves me. This is just a symbol or a picture of his grace. And everything points to the person of grace, Jesus Christ. That's what we look at when we look at communion. And I just love the ability to come before him and say, you know what, God, there's nothing I can do. In fact, I've tried. 
And in my best, it, it doesn't even measure up compared to what you have done on the cross. And so we just love the opportunity to do that. And so the, the take-home truth that I want to point you today to, and it should be on your bulletin there, it says holding nothing back means we accept God's payment for our sins and we share His peace with those around us. So what I'd like to do is just stand on up as we, as we receive God's Word in Leviticus chapter 3. Now this is, we're not going to read the whole thing. But I would challenge you to later, just if you haven't read it already, read Leviticus chapter 3. And the peace offering is actually broken up into... See, if it wasn't more confusing, right? It, it, let's make it even more, more confusing. The peace offering is actually broken up between chapter 3 and chapter 7. So we're going to look at both today, but we're just going to read chapter 3 right now. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I, I, I feel such a weight, a burden for your truth. Because it's not my truth, it's your truth. And we all need it. I need it. I struggle on a day-to-day -day basis just to live out your kingdom. Through me and in me. I mean, it's just, it's hard. But Lord, the more I look at it, the more I realize it's not something I can do. It's not something that I can make happen. But it is something that you, as, as our Savior, came to live through me and through us. And really, it's just that idea of surrendering and of submitting and saying, you know, not my way, but your way, God. And, and I'm reminded constantly that your way is better. Lord, our world around us is in turmoil. Our world around us is falling apart because for too long we've said our way. Lord, we just want to, as Christians always say, is it's not because we're good enough or we're perfect, but we just say, it's not my way, it's His way. And I just want to relinquish to the Savior that gave up everything for me. And as we look at this today, Lord, may we truly say we're holding nothing back, as You held nothing back when You gave Your one and only Son to die for us. And we thank You for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so... Leviticus chapter 3, here we go. If you are offering, or your offering is a fellowship offering, otherwise known as the peace offering, peace offering and fellowship offering is the same thing, you offer an animal from the herd, whether male or female, you are to present before the Lord an animal without defect. So kind of similar language of what we've been looking at in the last two chapters. Now, again, you might remember this. You are to lay your hand on the head of your offering and slaughter it at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall splash the blood against the side of the altar. From the fellowship offering or the peace offering, you are to bring a food offering to the Lord. The internal organs and all the fat that is connected to them, both kidneys with the fat on them and near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver, you will remove with the kidneys. Mmm, good stuff, huh? Anybody hungry? Kidney pie! Yeah, some of you are out there, right? All right, verse 5. Then Aaron's sons are to burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering that is lying on the burning wood, and it, it is a, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. If you offer an animal from the flock as a fellowship offering to the Lord, you would offer a male or female without defect. Okay, you may be seated. Ah, all right. Again, very, very, you know, different from our culture, right? None of you came with sheep, in tow, right? You, the, 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 the husbands were a little later than the, feet, the, the, than the, than the, um, than the wives because they, they had to grab the big goat out of the back of the trunk before they came in today. No, right? No, you did, this is crazy. Anybody ever had goats? Anybody ever? Yeah, yeah. I had goats for like a week. Not pretty. <laughs> it's 
So I only had them for a week. Man, the male goats are especially gross. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, but none of us really, I mean, we're not, this isn't something we get very much. And so I really want to look at this in a simplistic way. And that's the principles behind it. So in the burnt offering, again, if you're taking notes, it was, truly, it was about truly holding nothing back and seeking God with our all. If you remember, in the burnt offering, everything was consumed. Nothing was left. And the idea of that was, like, everything is the Lord's, right? Like, it's all His. It's not mine. I'm not going to hold anything back from God. Because God doesn't hold anything back from us. Right? And so the, the burnt offering really shows that it's about seeking Him with all our mind, our body, our soul, our, everything we are. And you will miss out. Let me just say this. You will miss out on true discipleship. You will miss out on the life that God has for you whenever you hold back from Him. Right? I mean, we get this today. If my wife, if I, don't, if I hold things back from her, I'm really not going to have that relationship that I was meant to have from her. And some of the saddest things is those that have been married for a long time, you don't even mean to hold things back, but we do it. And that's why we just don't have that perfect relationship with our, our significant other. Even when we want to, we hold back. Without even knowing it, we do it. And, and, and the same idea goes with our Lord. And that's why we go before Him every day and allow Him in every day, because we don't want to hold anything back. We want to give Him what's rightfully His, because He gave everything for us. So that's that part of the burnt offering. The second one, the grain offering, is about truly holding nothing back as we serve others. See, if it's seeking God first, then it's serving others with, like, like we're seeking God with all our mind, body, and soul. Do you get it? And we serve others as ourselves. See, when we truly love God, then we're truly free to love that other person. Because we don't see them, right? This is what we learn. We don't, we don't see them as the enemy anymore. We, we, we can love somebody and truly love somebody when we realize what God has done for them and done for us. It's not about us anymore. True forgiveness flows, grace from grace, and knowing that we've accepted it from the Lord. So not my will, but yours be done. I mean, Jesus, Jesus modeled this on the cross, didn't he? When all, I mean, enemies, doubters, criminals, I mean, two thieves, two, and we say thieves, I mean, really, these guys were the worst of the worst because you, you don't get crucified for just stealing bread. You know, you, you get crucified for, for stealing because you killed 18 people to get that bread. You know what I mean? Or whatever it is. And he's up there just as much for them as he is for, the, for that really nice person. Because he served others. He served us. He served you. He served me. And the, 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 this is, leads us to the next, or this offering we're looking at today, the shalom or the peace offering, is all about sharing God's kingdom. So if that first offering is about seeking God, that second offering is about serving others, this third one is all about sharing the kingdom. And this is what Israel was supposed to do. God didn't set them apart, you know, and be like, hey, you guys are my peeps and no one else will get it. I'm just going to pour into you and that's it. No, the idea was God was going to take this little band of nothing, really. The, uh, Abraham, he was known as the wandering Chaldean from Ur, just a wandering Chaldean. I mean, just this... Basically, nobody. Nobody cared about. And God said, I'm going to pour into you so that you can be a light to all the world, salt to all the world, to all the nations, so that people will know I love the whole world through you. That was the idea, and that's what we see as we look at this third offering. 
So we have some familiar language, if you guys remember. We have an offering from the animal first for the herd, the flock, the goat, and just this mix. Why, why these three different things that he points out? Well, again, who had herds? Rich people, right? Who, who had really nice sheep? Middle class. And, and then who had, pretty much who had a goat? Anybody's got a goat at that time. Even today, it was the poor. You see, God makes it to where everyone can receive his peace. He doesn't want to leave anybody out. We do a good part of that, don't we? <laughs> we, we, we we're pretty good at singling people out. In fact, I, I love the book of James just because it's so raw. But, you know, James points out, he's like, hey, hey, guys, I mean, this is the first church, right? I mean, it hasn't been more than 20, 30 years since Jesus has, has gone to that cross and been risen again. I mean, and, st- and they're already mucking it up. Right? And what's happening? Oh, oh, you're rich? Look at all the rings on your fingers, the purple you wear. Come sit at the front. Come enjoy. Oh, you're poor? You sit in the back. We don't have a chair for you. Right? I mean, that's, we do that. Whether we like it or not. We judge people. We stereotype everything else. And see, God's not that way. Everyone deserves God's peace because He wants to bring it to us. He wants to give it to us. He wants us to share that with others. So, Again, we have that same idea of you, in verse 2, you were to lay your hand on the head of your offering and slaughter it at the entrance of the temple of meaning. Again, what we have is we have that very symbolic understanding of, okay, here's what God wants me to give. And I'm going to take myself, I'm going to put it on there, my good, my bad, which will never add up, and I'm going to lean into this, and then I'm going to kill it. Because that's the truth of who I am. I need help. Something has to pay for the bad that I've done. You see, the animal gets what I deserve. This is the truth of the broken world. Again, if you're taking notes, we live in some... We live... This is the truth of the broken world we live in. Uh, Someone must pay for the sin I have done. And the peace offering reveals this. See, we get this. We get this all the time. I mean, kids are really good at this. You know what I mean? You just find kids playing. Someone does something wrong. You can't just let that slide, especially in junior high. Junior high, we really get the sense of justice, right? Junior hires are huge on this. But that's not fair. That's not fair, right? They want what's fair. My kids do this all the time, and I love it. They crack me up. It's like, not fair. I say, you want to know what's fair? I tell them what's fair, and they don't like it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, but the truth is, it's like, Someone's got to pay. I mean, imagine you've had a horrible crime perpetrated against you. You and your family. Maybe, maybe your family was slaughtered or something horrible. And you're in the courtroom and there's the judge and the judge just says, you know what, I'm feeling really giving today. Just walk away. I'll give you a gimme. Your, your sense of justice, your sense of this is not right, it's just, gonna, it's just not right. You're just, it's going to overtake you. And for good reason. Because we live in a cause and effect world. We live in a broken world that demands, that demands payment. Someone, something has to pay. We do this all the time. I mean, every time there's a major calamity, what happens? You hear the talking heads and the news and everything. They always get on. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Right? Something has to pay. Because this should never happen. I mean, we do this with the craziest things. Even, even hurricanes, natural disasters. Well, maybe it's because of this. And we can blame this for that. But sometimes it just happens, right? I mean, that's the world we live in. 
But we have to blame something. Something has to pay. But see, this is, this is what is so amazing about the God that has created all things is He enters in and He pays it for us. See, if, if you turn to Colossians chapter 1, Paul is very purposefully using temple language or Leviticus language when he talks about what Jesus has done for us. And he says this in verse 19, For God was pleased to have His fullness dwell in Him. He's God, 100%. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things. To reconcile, to bring peace. You owed a debt that you could never pay, and He's paid it. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by what? By making peace through His blood. You see, Paul very much brings up, that, again, that Levitical temple language when he says, the peace offering is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus became our ultimate sacrifice. He paid our debt. We have peace because Jesus paid it. See, no longer do we have to pay. And, and there's another uh, uh, aspect where, where when Paul talks about the peace of God shall transcend all understanding. See, we don't have peace when we're trying to do it ourselves. And it's like God is saying, you don't have to keep trying to impress me. See, grace is freedom. Religion is imprisonment. And very much, I grew up this way. I thought, oh man, now I've got to do this. Now if I read my Bible or if I pray, and I always felt guilty because I wasn't doing enough of it, it was that prison, because I had to, because I have to sacrifice this God so that I will be in right standing with you. No, that's not grace, that's religion. See, grace says, I, I've been given peace regardless of myself. Paul said, I'm the chief of all sinners. But in his infinite mercy, he came to me, he gave me his grace. That's what frees us. See, are you coming to church because it's what you believe you have to? Or do you come because you can't help but just sit at the feet of the Lord who gave you freedom? Do you feel guilty like I used to about prayer and reading the Word daily because you have to? Or are you drawn to the one who set you free at the cross? That's the difference. That's the idea of the peace offering. See, verse 3 says this, From the fellowship offering you are to bring food, bring a food offering to the Lord. The internal organs and the fat that is connected to them, all that, the kidneys. and the, Is this because God just really loves kidneys and liver? I mean, is he hungry? <laughs> Last time I... I mean, hey, bring the, we have communion here and if you don't eat, God's going to come down and eat the rest, right? Because he's hungry. No! This is something to think about. Now, it's different today because we always are looking at our fat content, Right? As a, this is a first world problem. You ever heard of first world problems? Oh no, I bought too much food. I have no more room in my refrigerator. Right? That's a first world problem. Okay? I mean, we have a lot of first world problems that we deal with. And, and, and one of them is, is our fat intake. See, if you go to a third world, or you go to a place where they, they are, man, the fat is only given to the chief. Or to the, to the king, or to the person who, you know, the, the, the really respected person. Some of the coolest missionary stories I heard is when a missionary comes in, you know, they'll, they'll slaughter like a, um, like a goat or, or something, and they just take this big chunk of fat and they try to give it to, to the missionary. And the missionary's like, I'm going to have a culinary embolism if I eat that. You know, I mean, something's going to happen to me if I eat that much fat. <laughs> but for them who have 1% body fat, they're like, this, keep, this is good. This is good for me. I need this. 
And if you remember, when the prodigal son came back, they killed the what? The fattened calf. See, the, the fat is where the majority of flavor is. When I was a kid, my mom would make pork chops on the bone. I love pork chops. And she just made this pork... I mean, she would just do salt and pepper, you know, nothing fancy. But it would always have this big old piece of gristle on it. Big old piece of fat. Oh, yes. Oh, you guys know what you're thinking, right? He didn't. Yes, I did. I would cut that off. And my brother would sit there who was three years older than me and go, Oh, come on! I'd be like, yeah! You know, <laughs> that big old thing of fat. And I mean, I think about it now and I'm just like, oh, right? Because the consistency of it. But the flavor... That's where the flavor was. That, that, that was so good. See, God wants us, to, again, to bring the flavor. The fattened calf is the good part. Um, let me just say, because the kidney and livers, this is where it gets kind of weird, but we have to understand it again from their mindset. This is a different culture. See, today we just say our heart and our gut... But back in the day, they would say your kidney and your liver. Paul references this when he says splagnon, which is that idea of your spleen and all those different things of the gut going on. Okay? But, you know, t- back then they would say, hey, I love you with all my kidneys. They just would. They, that's what they understood. And I feel it deep in my liver. My liver is quivering, right? That's where they would just get that. And for us, it's a little different. It's just that culture. So the Israelite got this, oh, the kidney and the liver. God doesn't want just the flavor. He doesn't want just a part of me. He wants to to get it all in there. See, God wants to meet us on that deep heart-gut level. Many of us get the mind thing because we live in a westernized culture where just give me the seven points of what I need... Let me read a self-help book. Let me get that fact. Let me get this thing. And we get the mind part, but we really don't truly allow the Lord to get us down deep in the gut, in our heart. And this is what we want. This is what we need. Holding nothing back means we engage more than our minds with God. Again, God wants to deal with us at our deepest level, in our spirit and soul. He wants to deal with us in our spirit and soul. And that's what the kidney and liver show. See, love the Lord your God with all your mind. We get that, but that's usually where we stop. There's more. There's your spirit or your heart, your kidneys. There's your liver, your soul. God truly cares about that deepest level. Are you content with just believing the facts or walking the life, living the life? Your whole soul, your whole spirit, all of you. See... This kind of breaks down to the understanding of maybe, you know, that guy, that dad that, that, that gets it, and he, t- he brings his family to church, you know, and he's, he, he's doing what, you know, he, he, he prays for him at night, and he, he gets that, you know, and he's, he, he's doing his thing that, that it says, and his mind is engaged. But the truth is, he's got those things deep down in his life that he's just not giving up. Down in his heart, down in his soul. And instead of really letting the Lord come in, he's holding that back been there, done that. Uh, the young person that knows God is calling them to give to the least, the last, and the lost, but in their soul they struggle with trust and anxiety and they, and they never step out with their resources or with their calendar or with their time and, and they wonder why God feels so distant from them. You, you get it? It's easy to engage the brain to some extent, but it's harder to start engaging the feet and the trust and the deep down soul parts. 
God cares and wants to bring us a peace that transcends all understanding. And this is what the peace offering helps us understand. But see, our understanding is, but if I do that then, or I can't hear and, and we hold back. And Paul says, all understanding. The peace that transcends all understanding. Now, the great thing about God's peace is it brings His peace when it comes through us, it brings it, His peace to the world around us. Now, we have to look at chapter 7 because, again, like I said, it's broken up. In chapter 3, you have, you have a big part of the peace offering, but then in chapter 7, it's also the peace offering. Okay? And in verse 11 through 18, it, we see the rest of the rules or the understanding of the peace offering. And he says, these are the regulations for the fellowship or peace offering. Anyone may present to the Lord. Anyone. These are the regulations. If they offer... It as an expression of thankfulness, then along with the thank offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast, with olive oil mixed in, thin loaves made without yeast and brushed with oil, and thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded with oil mixed in. Along with their fellowship offering of thanksgiving, they are to present an offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast. This is pancakes and pastries and loaves of goodness, people. This is good stuff. This isn't your flat, man. I mean, I'm sorry, but communion wafers, I never go, oh, goody. Yes! So good. Can I just grab three or four more? Put them in my pocket for later, like some tater tots I'm saving? No! These are nasty. I mean, let's be honest. They're not good. I don't think I've ever heard anybody ever say, I just want to get some of those for later. Mm, Boy. No! I mean, let's be honest. They're not made to be so tasty. So why is God setting up this peace offering to be so good and so tasty? There's a reason for this. There's got to be a reason for this. See, he's, it's almost like God is setting up a party. I wouldn't bring out the matzahs for the party. You know what I mean? You'll never, if you come over to my house, it's never going to be like, okay, now we're going to have some communion wafers. Tasty? No, no, I'm going to bring out the really good bread or the Hawaiian sweet rolls. Can I get an Amen. That's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, because that's the good stuff. You have to put the things in there. Bring the flavor, you know? Right? It's a party. Then verse 14, they are to bring one of each kind as an offering, a contribution to the Lord. It brings, and it belongs to the priest who splashes the blood of the fellowship offering against the altar. See, save some of it for the priest. Just a little bit. Not all the hundreds of pounds that you're bringing. Because if I have a heifer, that's like an 1,800 pound, you know, thing. Let's just throw away six. That's 1,200 pounds of meat. The priests get a little bit. Priests get some of that bread. But everyone is going to get a taste of this. Because God loves barbecue. This is the truth. I mean it. God loves barbecue, people. And He wants us to enjoy barbecue. I'm not even kidding. He's the first Texan. Right? I mean, it's true. God didn't have to do this. Really, have you ever thought about that? God didn't have to make... Guys, let me just say this. Women so beautiful. My wife is so beautiful. He didn't have to make them so beautiful. He didn't have to make chicken taste so good. Everything could have been the same. He didn't have to make colors. Have you ever just gone on top of the mountain and just been like, what the? Why is it so? Because God does it because He loves us. And the truth of the peace offering is that God brings us His peace whether we deserve it or not. In fact, that's the whole point. We don't deserve it. And He brings it to us. And He says, now share it. Share it. The meat of their fellowship offering 
of thanksgiving, being thankful, must be eaten on the day it is offered. They may, must leave none of it till the morning. If, however, their offering is a result of a vow or is a freewill offering, the sacrifice shall be eaten on the day they offer it, but anything left over may be eaten on the next day. This, this is a party. Celebrating a momentous, important event. I was going to show a picture, but I think you guys would have it better if you just close your eyes. Imagine a birthday party. Imagine a cake. And a man or a woman just sitting there, and they're blowing out candles, but there's nobody around them. And they're all by themselves. That's the saddest birthday party I think I'll ever go to, or not go to. You see... The peace offering is all about sharing with others. It's all set up so that when we do this, when we recognize that God's peace has come into us and transformed us, it should flow out through us to the people around us and the world around us. It's never meant just to be for me. It's to be for us. I mean, we're talking hundreds of pounds of meat left over. And there's no refrigeration. (laughs) They don't have enough salt for that. Like I said, God-ordained barbecue. You have to party. It was almost a given. And so you almost had a bigger responsibility with the more wealth that you had because here you had a cow. You've got to come back and you've got to invite not only your family, but your extended family. In fact, you can't just invite your extended family. You've got to invite everyone. You've got to invite weird old Uncle Egbert who's got the hump on the back of his back and you're just like, I haven't talked to that guy in forever. He creeps me out, but I'm inviting him because i got too much. You've got to invite not only the neighbors, but you've got to invite the neighbors that you don't like. You, you've got to invite everybody. Because it's on you to share this. It just is. I, I guess I could say, my cousin who doesn't know what deodorant is, is, is like, and doesn't really know what it means, but yeah, seriously, needs it... Uh, How about my estranged brother who I'm still angry with because he wounded me those few years ago? Especially him. Even the neighbor neighbor whose dogs keep everyone up makes me want to do vile, evil things to small, fluffy creatures. (laughs) Especially him. See, it's not just for me. And it's not just for the people I like. But God ordains barbecue in the peace offering so that everyone can partake. Peace is meant to be shared. It transcends all understanding. And when you offer that to the people that especially are most estranged from you, it's going to transcend their understanding. They're not going to get it. They're going to wonder why the heck you've done this. See, Jesus does this with us. And can I just say, when we're holding nothing back, we're not only partnering with a God that holds nothing back, but we're sharing and inviting the world to taste and see that God is good. And, and, and some of you are like me, like, oh, maybe we can save some of it. Because we used about 1,100, but i got 100 pounds left, I can salt that, save it for another day. Okay, look at verse 17. Any meat of the sacrifice left over till the third day must be burned up. If any meat of the fellowship offering is eaten on the third day, the one who offered it will not be accepted. The word for that in the Hebrew is completely cut off forever. Yeah, you think God's serious about sharing His peace? It will not be reckoned to their credit, for it has become impure. It's unholy. It's disgusting. The person who eats any of it it will be held responsible. 
Yeah, the, the word here is, is paigul. It, it's detestable or commonly used for refuse or trash. It's the idea of it's only good to be pooped on. And I use that for emphasis because I want you to really get that. God thinks it's nothing but poop when we do that. He wants us to share. All right, so how do we do this? This is simple. I mean, this is the part because, you know, like I said, no one's, some of you guys are like, oh, that's right. Let me go back to the trunk and get my, my goat. <laughs> Let me go get the cow and bring it in, right? No. How do we do this today? Hopefully you've seen the relevance of what God is doing about peace and sharing it. But what does this mean with us today? Can, can I just say, we can, still, we can still have God's peace come through us and share this with the others around us. I, I think the first part would be share your stuff. Share your stuff, your closet, your shoes, your jacket, your jeans, your garage. Do you really need three hedge trimmers? Share your stuff. You see, when God's peace hits us and it transcends all understanding, we don't need that stuff to make us complete anymore. See, that stuff doesn't bring peace. My 401k doesn't bring me peace. Because as a lot of people found out, economics isn't always something we can bank on. And money today could be worthless paper tomorrow. See, what brings true peace is the God that transcends all understanding. And so he is very simple with this. Share your stuff. It's not yours. You're just a manager. It's better to give than to receive. And can I say that when you look through the, the, the history books, you'll see the most content people, the, most, the people that have changed the world have been people who have just allowed God to let them be used through them and they've just given away. They've just, it's not mine. I'm not going to hoard it. Second, share your calendar. Where are you spending all your time? I mean, is it truly bringing you peace? Working 20 hours a day? Is that really bringing you peace? Is spending it just chasing after relations, is that really bringing you peace? I mean, is that really bringing you peace when you spend all your time just trying to have those friends and everything? I mean, is that really bringing you peace? I guarantee the more time you spend serving your family, your neighbors, the poor, the least, the last, and the lost, you will see that God's peace rests upon you. I love the scriptures because God, more than anything, says, says take care of the oppressed says give and share. Share not only your, your stuff, but share your time. Because when you do, you will not lack. I love that verse in the scriptures that says, he who gives to the poor, she who gives to the poor, will not lack. Will not lack. I don't know about you, but when I, when I go after everything else and I, I take my time and I, I put it all into there, I, I lack. At the end of the day, I go, man, there's something more I could do. There's something more I can do. But when I serve the Lord and I give to the others and I share that peace, I do, at the end, I don't lack. I don't lack. Isaiah 58 and Psalm 41. Psalm 41 says, How blessed is he who considers the helpless. The Lord will deliver him in a day of trouble. The Lord will protect him and keep him alive and he shall be blessed upon all the earth. Jesus echoes the same, says, Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who get that it's not about what I can do, but it's about what God has done and I'm just going to live through it. Live, have him live through me. Lastly, share your financial resources. Instead of buying those new pair of shoes, which, let me just say, truly won't bring you peace. Buying that new video game, because oh, that's what I really want. There's a new video game coming out. I really want it. Is it going to bring me peace? 
It'll bring me a little happiness for a little while, right? I mean, don't, have you ever seen anybody with a frown on a wave runner? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're on a wave runner and they're just... Did a funny thing the other day. We were at, we were at Knott's Berry Farm and we were on a ride. I wish I could have gotten a picture. I should have just taken a picture of it. It was this uh, Pony Express ride where you kind of sit on these things like this and everyone's like, yeah, you know, they take pictures of you. Well, I knew it was coming up and so everyone's like this. I'm sitting on it like this. It was the funniest thing because everybody's face is like, yeah, and I'm like... You know, it's, it's obviously ridiculous because you're on a ride and it's so fun. And, you know, to, but the, the point is, it's like, I had fun. I was joking around, but how long is that going to last? Am I going to be in forever bliss and have true peace because of a Knott's Berry Farm ride? How many of you have been married? Uh-oh, yes, I'm going there. I love my wife. And I hope she loves me pretty sure she does but she doesn't bring me true true peace and I don't for her and I'll, I'll I'll be honest if she looked to me for all of her peace oh my goodness I don't I don't think I need to go there but what a responsibility what a responsibility I mean, when I watch, knowing the peace of the Lord now, if I watch a chick flick, and I do because I cry, and you know, like the Jerry Maguire, you complete me. You're my everything. Oh, I don't want that responsibility. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to live, I'm gonna, as it says in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to sacrifice my entire life for you like Christ did for the church. But man, don't hope in me completely because I will fail you. I will let you down. In fact, there'll be days you'll want to punch me in the face and cut me the next. That's the truth. Right? That's who we are. But the more we trust in Him, the more that He gives that peace. Don't put it in that. Again, putting money away and continuing to stockpile it. Because you never know. I mean, you just is that really going to bring you the peace? See, we have an opportunity to serve the least, the last, and the lost. We have an opportunity, as Jesus says, to store up treasures in heaven. And that's what we want to do. That's what we do as a church. That's what I hope we're doing as a family. And that's what I invite you to as families in our family. We want to, we want to invest in God's kingdom where moth and rust don't destroy and thieves won't break in. When you're holding nothing back, sooner or later you'll start giving the best, not just the rest. As we enter into worship here and our offerings, I just want to tell a really quick little parable that you guys might know. It's the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal, the prodigal kid who much like you and me sought peace in a lot of different things. Amen? I, I still try to seek peace in a lot of things. I find a new TV show and I'm up until three days and a month of Sundays watching it until it's done and I'm like, man, that show was great but it's over. What can I watch next? It's gone. You just don't get that peace. <laughs> and very much he went for that. He took everything he had and he looked for peace. And at the end of the day, he put up his hands as he was sitting in squalor and said, the only peace I ever truly found was at my father's house. And he goes back. And the great thing is, he was ready to work for it. He was ready to do whatever it took, but... His heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, threw up everything and ran to Him and said, you got to do nothing. 
And what does he do? He kills the fattened calf. He makes a peace offering. You see, the Jews of that day would have gotten this. This is what makes it so crazy. Because the, the, the father is making a peace offering for the guy that's so screwed up. The father is doing something for the son that he should have done for himself. This is why the cross is so offensive, because it's nothing I can do. I'm not making the peace offering. God's making it for me. You see, the Heavenly Father makes the peace offering for the Son. And the Heavenly Father makes the peace offering through Jesus Christ for us. Amen? God is inviting you to the party. <laughs> Are we going to be like the Son that's on the outside working and saying, No, I'm going to try to do it myself. And He storms off. And God comes out to him and the Heavenly Father comes out to him and says, Come on in. Let's party. Let's show the world how much I love them. Holding nothing back means we accept God's payment for our sins through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we share this peace with those around us. Pray with me. Lord, I thank You for just being the God that does it all. You're the capital G God. We, we, don't, we don't have to do any more to make you love us more. Lord, you, you have made the peace offering for us. And when you were on that cross, what did you say? You said, it is finished. It's done. And you invite us. You invite us to live with you and for you and to share this peace with those around us. Lord, I know for a fact, because I got them in my own family, there are people in, in families out here that they need to see your peace. Lord, we need to be agents of reconciliation. As it says, as Paul says, as he takes this to a whole new level when he says, you are now ministers of reconciliation. You are ministers of peace. And it's not because we can say so much or we have so much knowledge or this is what we're, you know, no. We just come in and say, this is what God has done for me. And can I share it with you? I don't have much, but I got a piece of bread here. I don't have much, but I got a hedge trimmer here. I don't have much, but I can sit with you here. I can pray for you there. This is the peace offering. That you gave up all for me. You gave up everything for us. May we partner with you now. And just be sharers of this peace. Lord, thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your son Jesus. We don't deserve you. But you do everything to bring us back. We love you and we thank you. May our lives exemplify this. Not because we do, but because you've already done. In Jesus' name, amen.